Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Every two weeks, I speak with my good friend Michael Tobe, columnist for Troy Media and Looney Politics, contributor to the National Post and the Washington Times, and former speechwriter for Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper. We always try to add a little sports. We will today, but we're going to begin with this. And because of your familiarity with the Conservative Party of Canada, Michael, would you please give us your perspective on what's going on in the leadership race? We now have additional candidates coming in. How do you see it? Yeah, uh, thanks, Roy. Yeah, it's starting to heat up, which is good. I mean, you want to obviously have a vigorous debate, no matter which candidate you uh, which candidate you support or which candidate you would like to get in. Um, at least now there's a few different faces, few different voices, and there'll obviously be some different platforms. I mean, it based on polling, as you've probably said, and maybe you've discussed on your show, Pierre Polyevre has a fairly large lead, roughly about 41% of in one poll of all the um, grassroots support that the party has, and the person who finished next in line, which I believe was Jean Charest, was at about 10 or 11%. So he has sort of very similar to Donald Trump in the U.S. right now. If you look at Republican presidential polls, um, Mr. Polyever has a very large lead. So for him, the best thing he has to do is just get out there as quickly as he can, as he has on social media with different videos discussing uh, ter- certain types of Canadian politics and history, He's been in different cities, including Saskatoon and parts of Ontario. And he's been trying to just sort of show the various types of support and various types of ideas that he's going to promote, which are going to be of a small-c conservative bent, obviously supporting things such as lower taxes, less government, more individual rights and freedoms, and so forth. The two biggest contenders for him are the aforementioned Jean Charest, who is the former uh, progressive conservative leader federally, the old party, and the former liberal Quebec premier. And he'll also now be opposed, since he just jumped in today, by Patrick Brown, the former Ontario PC leader and the current mayor of Brampton, Ontario. Both of them will be sort of bolting for red Tory votes, which are basically left-leaning conservative votes, which will be discussing some fiscal issues, but will also, on social issues, take more of a liberal bent on things. Uh, They may have some stronger positions, sometimes on foreign policy, but when it comes to, you know, taxes, carbon taxes and various other things, if you're looking for a real tax fighter, it's not going to be one of those two gentlemen. And the others who are currently in very quickly, Leslin Lewis, whose people remember, ran in 2020 against Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay and Derek Sloan. Ms. Lewis is now in politics, in Parliament. She's sitting in Diane Finley's old seat. So she's going to sort of fight for the same sort of votes, kind of, that Pierre Polyevre is going to go for. And there's a few other smaller candidates like Roman Babber, the former Ontario PC MPP who was talked out, Marilyn Gladue and others. So it's heating up, which is good. Yeah, they're going to have to do something to shed the image that they've created for themselves over the last uh, several leadership campaigns, and that is that they can't win. They, they can't beat Trudeau. Trudeau's eminently beatable, and Trudeau arguably, Michael, and you know this as well as I do, arguably is being... Uh, nudged toward the exit by some of the influential members of the Liberal Party of Canada who see him now more as a as an obstacle than than the golden boy that he was in 2015. So the, the Conservatives have to be able to provide Canadians with a unified position, unified platform, and a unified uh, message that makes sense across the country. Tough task, but they have no other choice. 
Yeah, absolutely. They do. And they can do it. There's no reason that they can't. And you're absolutely right. When it comes to Justin Trudeau, we don't have to go through the laundry list of issues and problems with this man, or we'd be on the air for the next few hours. You know, Justin Trudeau basically is, you know, without tooting my own horn, what I call him in the National Post, he's a national embarrassment. He really has been on so many levels, domestically, foreign policy-wise. I mean, there are liberals privately who say, awful things about him that if the general public knew, Roy, I think they'd be stunned. But they go along with it because he has enough popularity or at least about a third of the votes in Canada. But you're right, there are a lot of liberals who are ready to boot him out the door, realizing that he's finished second twice, you know, in terms of the popular vote in the last two federal elections, although he's won the most number of seats based on our parliamentary system. And overall, he's just not this strong, powerful leader. He doesn't have an authoritative message. He's not an intellect when it comes to calm strategies, PR, policies, policy strategy in general. This has not been a good prime minister. This has not even been a good liberal prime minister, even if you don't like liberals. Jean Chrétien, Paul Martin, and others were not like this. Yeah, very different exactly. man, very vulnerable. And even if his own party now realizes it, there's a way, there's a route to victory, and the, and the conservatives have to find it. Okay, so we have a little time here to talk some sports. You're still a Major League Baseball fan, and I respect that, but I gave up on them in 1994 when for the first time they managed to screw up the the whole season, no World Series. There were World Series that are first and second World Wars, but not in 1994 because of owner and player greed. The Expos were going to win it, no question there. Larry Walker, I have actually, I told you, I, mm-hmm. I haven't been to a game. I haven't watched a game in its entirety, but I did go to one game. And okay. at the third inning, I said, what am I doing here? Turned around and walked out. What's the case for Major League Baseball? Well, although you had a momentary lapse of reason, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, I still love baseball. You know, one thing, the 94 strike, it, it's, you know, it's been 28 years. I think we have to start realizing that certain things about the game are it's still the same as they were then, but other things have improved. Yeah, but they can't, but they, can't, seen, they can't get fans into the seats, Michael. No, I realize that because, well, there's also a lot of other things at play, too. Ticket prices have gone way up. Concession stands are way up. Paraphernalia, shirts, T-shirts, other things, they're all very expensive. Much like going to the movies, much like going out to dinner, it's become a very expensive pastime, and that's the problem. I think the big issue here, very briefly is the 99-day the strike, which just ended this week, which fortunately will save the entire season. And, um, what was kind of fascinating about it was that, you know, the two things that held it up were increased pay for the players, again, which was an issue from 94 to and other things that have occurred, and also the biggest issue that almost brought it down was how they're going to create a proper draft for overseas players. That's what almost blew in a few games in this season. Okay, something let me, like let me, that. Let me, just, let me just tell you this. One thing that Major sure. League Baseball cannot do, they just don't seem to be able to handle it, is to stay in the news like the NFL does, like the NBA does, like the NHL manages during the offseason. They just can't do it. And I have to use this line on you. I'm assuming you may not have heard Dan McTague earlier. I said to Dan, the only way that Major League Baseball fills yeah. the seats in the stadium for a regular season game is to make it a condition of parole. <laughs> I don't know how Dan reacted, and the friend too. I don't know how he reacted to that, but I think it's a little easier to get people in, believe it or not. Although parole would certainly work. Um, look, it, in the end, ultimately, Roy, uh, the good news for people who still follow the sport pretty enthusiastically, and I'm one of them, 
is that it's going to be on. We're going to get a full 162-game season, and hopefully they've learned some lessons here. The problem is no matter which papers write it, which magazines write it, which sports writers write it, it always seems like history repeats itself with these strikes or near strikes. And this one is not dissimilar to 94. What I need you to do is call me at the end of the season and tell me how it turned out. I definitely will. No worries. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.